0: Good evening, everyone. Lovely to see you all here. Merry Christmas time to you. I can't quite say Merry Christmas, but it's Merry Christmas time. And in my household, I really like Christmas. My kids absolutely love Christmas, but my wife loves Christmas. So in our household, there's a lot of uh, celebration going on at this time of year. And we're going to think tonight about why it is that we can have something to celebrate uh, at Christmas time. Why don't I pray that God would help us to think about that topic for us this evening. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do pray that we will be open to hearing what you have to say to us tonight. Please encourage us and point us towards you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the idea of peace on earth or peace on earth and goodwill to all people, is very much associated with Christmas. We read it on Christmas cards, we sing about it in Christmas songs, to say nothing of the peace on earth referenced in the Scriptures. You may have noticed that two of our Bible readings this evening have spoken of peace, the song O Come, O Come, Emmanuel spoke of peace, and the carol we're going to sing a little later, Hark the Herald Angels Sing will also speak of peace. What is that doing? (laughs) Was that a picture of meat just behind me? Misbehaving. We could scrap it. Scrap it? Good, okay, you have to follow your handouts very closely. So there we go, Uh, peace. So peace is very much associated with Christmas... Uh, And it's something which Christmas is supposed to bring, and it's something rather which Jesus is supposed to bring. But exactly what is the peace that Jesus can bring us, and where is it to be found? I mean, away from all the trappings and tinsel of Christmas time, does this idea of peace actually mean anything? Now, I don't want to put too much of a downer on things this evening, but when we look around us, the world can seem full of anything but peace. Whether at Christmas time or any time of year. The sad truth is that many people get depressed at Christmas time. Tragically, domestic violence goes up at Christmas time. And if you look at the news websites, problems overseas abound. There are human rights abuses in Burma, Islamic State violence in Nigeria, tensions in northeastern India, unrest in Chile, ongoing dramas in the Congo, societal breakdown in Somalia. I could go on with unhappy scenarios, as I'm sure you could as well. And when we look at this, sometimes the disconnect or the apparent disconnect between the Christmas sentiment of peace on earth and the apparent lack of peace around us can really be quite stark. Now, what I want us to do is to think for a few moments tonight on what the peace on earth idea, spoken of in Luke chapter 2, actually does mean and what it doesn't mean. And I think for many of us, the answer to this question will be a really positive surprise. Well, at least I hope it will be anyway. So, the topic tonight is peace on earth. We're looking at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. We're particularly going to focus on verse 14. And the main points are set out on the insert you would have received when you came in. So, first all, we're be going to think about the heavenly announcement of verse 14. And then we're going to focus for most of our time on the second half of that announcement. On earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. And then finally and briefly, the idea of glory to God in the highest heaven. So, we're really going to be unpacking that verse 14 and what it actually means for you and I today in the real world. But first, got to give you a little bit of context. Earlier in Luke chapter 2, the writer describes the birth of Jesus. It's the really quite familiar story of Mary and Joseph travelling to Bethlehem as a result of the decree of Caesar Augustus that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And when they arrive, Jesus is born, He's placed in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. It's a humble and on the face of it, fairly nondescript birth. That is, until we get the heavenly perspective on the birth in verses four, verses 8 to 14. Because in those verses, we get the appearance of the heavenly messages and we hear what they have to say. So, verse 14 of chapter 2 is very significant, it's the heavenly announcement and it reads as follows, glory to God in the highest heaven, the heavenly host proclaim, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. Now, I'm going to unpack that in a few moments but before I do, I thought I might make a few quick comments about angels and the heavenly host because what we're reading about here is factual history, it's not myth or anything like that. Now the Bible makes it abundantly clear to us that there is a God, the Bible makes it abundantly clear that there is a supernatural world and the Bible makes it abundantly clear that there are beings who inhabit the supernatural world such as angels or the heavenly host uh, which are described here and can I say there are good, sane, logical reasons to believe this Now we don't have time to go into it this evening but all I want to say is there are good, sound, logical reasons to believe in the supernatural world and that um, these angels appeared and said the things that they said. Now, one thing which I do note is that angels in in the Bible are not really sort of cute little girls with angels wings, they're actually quite confronting supernatural beings and in this chapter, these fairly intimidating and glorious beings appear and make a highly informed announcement, about the birth of Jesus and give us their expert opinion on the significance of it. So, let's look at verse 14 in our second point, on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. Now, peace on earth is a lovely thought, And I I admit that when I was younger I probably watched one or two Miss World or Miss Universe pageants and it seemed to me that pretty well every contestant expressed an ardent desire when asked for world peace. You know, what do you hope for? World peace, world peace, world peace. It's a nice thought isn't it? But many have asked where actually is the world peace? Because does the idea of peace on earth at Christmas time mean anything or is it simply a vague aspirational goal? In 1863, during the American Civil War, the poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote a poem called Christmas Bells. Some of you may be familiar with it. It was later put to music and renamed I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And the poem and song begins with a usual expression of, I guess, Christmas celebration. It says, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But, remember this was during the American Civil War and in a few verses in the tone changes and the poem starts to reference the war and then it seems to speak of the cannon fire uh, drowning out the carols and the second last stanza of the poem reads as follows, it says and in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth I said for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. See what Longfellow does here, he highlights the discord between the sung peace on earth at Christmas time and the lack of actual peace on earth which he was familiar with. Now if you read the poem, the final stanza of the poem does express hope that right will prevail in the future but it highlights, I guess, the apparent disconnect in the present. Now a similar point seemed to be made about a hundred years later in 1975. There was a, a singer called Greg Lake of Emerson, Lake and Palmer, if you've ever heard of them. And in 1975, he released a song called, I Believe in Father Christmas. It was a massive song that year, one of the biggest songs on the UK charts. And the opening verse of the song goes, They said there'll be snow at Christmas, they said there'll be peace on earth, but instead it just kept on raining of a veil of tears for the Virgin's birth. Now, there's this disconnect here again, or the apparent discord between you know the peace we sing about and the peace which doesn't seem to be experienced. And in one of the video clips for this, I believe, in Father Christmas song, as this beautiful song is being sung, interspersed into the clip is footage of either the Second World War or the Vietnam War or something like that, highlighting this apparent contrast. Where is the peace on earth? Let's go 25 years later, the Irish band U2, who were recently in Australia, some of you may have gone and seen him, I think every second person I know on Facebook went and saw him. And uh, they pick up this similar sort of anguish or confusion in their song, uh, Peace on Earth, which was from their album, All That You Can't Leave Behind. And the song opens as follows, it says, heaven on earth, we need it now. I'm sick of all of this hanging around sick of sorrow, sick of pain, sick of hearing again and again that there's going to be peace on earth. Now, what prompted that song you may ask? Well, you two, as you probably know, come from Ireland and Ireland has has been a country which historically has been wracked by internal conflict and the song is actually about A bombing which took place in 1998 in a place called Omar, Northern Ireland. It was carried out by the real IRA and it killed 29 people and injured 220 others, a really horrible event. Now, one of the verses of the song goes as follows, it says, Jesus, can you take the time to throw a drowning man a line, peace on earth, to tell the ones who hear no sounds, whose sons are living in the ground, peace on earth. Jesus, in the song you wrote, the words are sticking in my throat, Peace on earth. We hear it every Christmas time, yet hope and history won't rhyme. So, what's it worth, this peace on earth? You know, it's a very hard point, but you can see why someone might be saying that. If you were caught in the midst of the American Civil War, or the Second World War, or the Vietnam War, or the problems of Northern Ireland, you can sometimes wonder why well, someone would say that. Is this peace on earth just a vague aspirational goal? Now, can I now give you the really good news? Because uh, the reality of what the peace on earth described in chapter 2 verse 14 of Luke is about may not be what you think but it's in fact much better than what many may think. Let me explain what peace on earth of Luke chapter 2 verse 14 is really about. The first thing to point out is the peace being referred to in this chapter and this verse is peace of a particular sort. It picks up the Jewish idea of shalom, some of you may have heard that phrase, shalom and shalom describes the harmonious relationship which can exist between people and God. The peace being spoken of here is primarily a vertical sort of peace, us and God, more so than the horizontal peace between people and people. And then secondly, the passage doesn't say peace on earth and goodwill to all people, it actually says, Peace on earth to those on whom his, that's God's, favour rests. Now, the Greek phrase translated, On whom his favour rests, is a first century technical term which basically means God's people. So, verse 14, is, which says, On earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests, basically says, On earth, peace with God to God's people. Now you might sort of think, oh that's lovely if you're one of God's people but perhaps I feel a little bit ripped off by that, what about everyone else? Now before I go into highlight why why this is in fact good for everyone, I want to say that this idea of peace is the idea of peace picked up in the very famous Charles Wesley Christmas carol entitled, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which we're going to sing shortly. It says, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King, Peace on Earth and Mercy Mild, God and Sinners Reconciled. It's talking about this vertical sort of peace, this restored, harmonious relationship which we can have with God. So, the peace that Jesus brings is the potential for you, me and everyone, anyone, everywhere, to have this peace with God. A peace with God which we can experience now and a peace with God which lasts for eternity. Now, this is great news if you sit here tonight as a follower of Jesus. But what about everyone else? Well, can I say this idea of peace is good news for everyone for two reasons. Let me tell you the first. The first is that everyone on this planet is offered this peace with God. I mean, that's what Christmas is essentially all about. It's why Jesus came to earth in the first place, to offer everyone this peace. If you look back at Luke chapter 2 verse 11, it describes Jesus as a saviour, someone who saves, and Jesus as Lord, someone we should follow. This idea of having Jesus as our Saviour and our Lord is right through Scripture and it's right through the Christmas carols as well. Joy to the world, you know that carol, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Lord, He is the Lord, someone we should follow. Joy to the world, the Saviour reigns. Jesus is Saviour, someone who can save us. And so we receive this peace with God by having Jesus as our Saviour, someone who who saves us and having Jesus as our Lord, someone we follow. So as we ask Jesus to forgive us and we say that we want to follow him, the Bible tells us that this peace with God, this vertical peace, this idea of uh, a wonderful relationship with God, this shalom idea is offered to us, is offered to everyone. It's been offered to everyone here and either at this point you have happily received it, if you haven't, you can receive it. It's offered to you and to everyone. But secondly, when we have peace with God, this actually promotes peace with others as well. Now, having peace with God won't bring total peace on earth, this side of heaven, but it will promote peace in this world, this side of heaven. Because uh, people who have peace with God, let's call them Christians, good you know, followers of Jesus, we as Christians, we're not perfect, uh, we make mistakes But we're told that we should love others. and We're told that we should even love our enemies. And the Bible tells us that Christians are given the Holy Spirit to help us do this. So, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as people who have peace with God, we are told and we're helped to love others, to promote peace with others, even those with whom we may feel that we've been very badly wronged by. Let me give a personal uh, example. I, for example, try to forgive others because I know the Bible tells me I should forgive others and I think probably more often than not, thanks to God's help, I manage to forgive others. Now, sometimes I don't but I I do my best but if we're forgiving others, it's going to promote peace with others, isn't it? And if you've got a whole lot of people on this planet who have peace with God and are seeking to forgive others and bring (laughs) forgiveness to others and love others, it's going to be more peaceful. Now, let's get a bit more hardcore. And let's go to Northern Ireland. I'm going to tell you a little bit about a guy called David Hamilton. Now, if you're a regular in this service, I told some of you uh, a few things about David Hamilton uh, a few months ago, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about David Hamilton tonight. Now, David Hamilton grew up in Northern Ireland and as many of you would know, in the 1960s to the late 1990s, Northern Ireland was racked by what was known as the Troubles, which was an, uh, an ethnic nationalist conflict between the Unionists Who wanted Northern Ireland to stay in the United Kingdom and the Irish Nationalists who wanted Northern Ireland to become part of a united Ireland and there were paramilitary units associated with both sides, for example the IRA, the Irish Republican Army and the Ulster Defence Force, the UDF. Now the conflict in Northern Ireland over those decades led to the deaths of about three and a half thousand people. Now David, uh, young David Hamilton grew up, he was a Protestant and when he grew up, he had friends who were both Protestants and Catholics. Uh, but one day, walking home from school, some people sort of attacked him and threw him into a, into a river. And one of the guys who threw David Hamilton into the river said, you know why we did that? It's because you're a prod, you know, Protestant. And Catholics and Protestants, they fight each other. So David was quite affected by this, thought that Catholics were bad news, and went out and joined a Protestant or a, a, really a Unionist gang. He then ultimately joined the Ulster Defence Association, And eventually the more hardcore Ulster volunteer force and in this paramilitary unit he was involved with, as I understand it, murder, bank robberies, bombings and hijackings and he was eventually caught up with by the law and placed in the fairly infamous Mays prison. Now while David Hamilton was in the Mays prison, it dawned on him that his life had been spared on a number of occasions and one night in his cell he decided that he wanted his life to change more than anything He knew a little bit about Christianity and so he decided to become a Christian, a follower of Jesus. He would have asked Jesus to forgive him and said he wanted to follow him and from that point David Hamilton's life totally turned around. He spent the next of his five years in jail, studying the Bible and meeting regularly to have fellowship with other prisoners, a number of whom were converted paramilitaries from both sides. So, he was meeting with former UDF, I imagine, and former IRA people to meet together, to have a fellowship and to study the Bible together. Incredible, if you consider what what we know about Northern Ireland. Now, on one occasion, a visiting politician came to the Mays prison. He walked into it at a time that many of these prisoners were having a Bible study, in which both Protestants and Catholics, including former paramilitaries, were taking part. The politician was shocked and he said, look how is it that you guys, you know, who were formerly trying to bomb each other are now sitting together having fellowship, what's going on? So, one of them explained that he'd been a Christian for 18 months, before that he'd been in the IRA, another one explained that he'd been a Christian for three years and before that he'd been in the UDA, the Ulster Defence Association and when the politician left, he said to the prison officer accompanying him, he said, uh, some of the best brains in England have been trying to find a solution to the troubles in Northern Ireland. Today, I've seen a solution. But do you know what? No one will believe me. But what he saw was what God can do. When we have peace with God, we can promote peace with other people. So that's the second half of the uh, angel's announcement in verse 14. But did you know the first part? The angels praise God saying, glory to God In the highest heaven. See, they give glory to God at the time of Jesus' birth. Now, why would they do that? Well, I can only assume it's because these angels who were in the know, understood the implications of what was taking place with the birth of Jesus and how Jesus would grow up and live and say and do various things which would enable people to find peace with God and as that takes place, then in turn, to promote peace with other people as well. You see, those in the know praise and glorify God. Let me conclude. The peace with God, this idea of peace with God, is what Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, Greg Lake, you two and ourselves need to understand. The peace with God, which we sing about tonight, which we hear about in our readings, is not a mindless optimism, it's not a vague aspirational goal, not a mere Christian sentiment detached from reality, it describes about how the birth of Jesus and what He's going to go on to do, can provide the means whereby you, me and anyone we know, David Hamilton, paramilitaries, whatever, we can have peace with God, we're offered peace with God which we can receive as we ask Jesus to forgive us and so we want to follow Him and when we do that we then start to live lives which promote peace with others. I guess a question I'd just like to ask tonight is as you sit here tonight and I'm not going to put anyone on the spot, uh, have you taken that step at this point? Have you reached at some point in your life where you've asked Jesus to forgive you? He said, please forgive me, I want to follow you with my life. It will mean a big turnaround and a big change but when you do that, as with David Hamilton, it will absolutely change everything. We will have peace with God now, we can look forward to peace with God for eternity, And we'll be able to live lives which promote peace on this planet which is of course something which the planet so badly needs. Where are you? If you'd like to talk about that I'd be very happy to talk to you about it afterwards or I'm sure you could find someone else as well. So the big idea I guess this evening as we think about peace with peace on earth is that peace with God is what promotes peace and goodwill to all people. We're going to sing about that in a few moments with Heart the Herald Angels Sing But before we do that, why don't I pray for us? Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the the wonderful time of year which we're now in and all the wonderful things we hear and sing about and read about. And Lord, please uh, let us know for the first time or remind us that we're dealing with reality here and the peace on earth which we sing and read of means something, that we can have peace with you and in turn to promote peace with others. We pray that will be true for all of us here tonight. And if it's not, that perhaps people would seriously consider it and take that step. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.